interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. Welcome Canadian baseball fans to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast presented by the Baseball Zone. Our topic today, really can't get any more Canadian, Jackson. Yeah, we're talking World Baseball Classic, Team Canada's roster. Of course, uh, rosters were announced recently and there's been some discussion about it, but not a lot of real breakdowns or real insight into the specifics of the roster. So we're going to get into that today here uh, on the CBM podcast, our initial reactions and then going through some of the position player groups of course, as well as the pitching staff and kind of just giving you a good guide to the tournament. And of course, once you listen, if you agree or disagree, please uh, feel free to comment. We definitely want to hear what you have to say about uh, Team Canada and their chances at the World Baseball Classic. And we do plan to have a, a bunch of content uh, coming down the pipe here for the World Baseball Classic here in the CBM podcast. So also stay tuned for all of that. Uh, but I think without further ado here, Matt, let's uh, let's jump into the roster. Yeah, I think, you know, let's start with initial reactions. Uh, when I first saw this roster, uh, I always get excited whenever you see the World Baseball Classic. You see specifically Team Canada, um, a lot of young talent. It looks like a real nice blend of of young uh, and more experienced uh, members of the national team. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Greg Hamilton uh, touched on when he announced, when the roster was announced uh, via sportsnet.ca. Um, that's something that's clearly uh, going to have to be important for this team. Um you know, look, a lot of these young players coming up, you know, they're going to be sort of part of the next generations of Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic. So it's good to really unite these generations. You've got, you know, the the Albers and the the Lowens and, um, you know, the Freddie Freemans in his prime mixed with, you know, some of the prospects like Owen Casey and Mitch Bratt and the likes of that. So I'm really excited to see kind of the the dynamic uh, of this team. It's It has a chance to be really interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The other thing that you think of when, you know, you look at a roster for the first time is who's missing. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a few guys, uh, big name guys that are missing from this team. But I think you nailed it um, when you said a lot of these guys, it's important for Canadian baseball fans to watch this tournament and watch this team specifically. Um, because these are the these are the some of the coming stars in Canadian baseball that will be playing on in the big leagues. You know, you look at a guy like Edward Julian. You know, he's he's on the cusp, a very highly rated prospect. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how these some of these younger guys fare in, in this environment. And it should be noted uh, regarding some of the high profile Canadians that are off the team, like a Joey Votto or Mike Soroka or Josh Naylor, Jordan Romano, Jameson Tyone. I mean, you can go down the list, right? Um, the amount of guys who, who could have really, really helped this team uh, in some key areas not available. Part of that was due to health and insurance reasons. Uh, And part of that was due to just club situations, you know, guys wanting to focus on their team during spring training. Look, it's a, it can be a difficult time of year to pry guys away from big league spring training, especially, you know, if you're a guy like Zach Pop, who's trying to make the big league roster, right. Um, With the Jays trying to make sure that he can uh, at least put himself in a good spot to do that. Jordan Romano, who wants to have a good healthy season once again, as a closer for the Jays. So it's, it's that, give and take a little bit with the WBC, but I think a lot of Canadian fans were disappointed that they didn't have that star power. I think that some were expecting. Yeah, of course. And I, and I think you miss guys like Votto, Soroka, you know, the big name guys. It's understandable why they're not here. You know, Votto had a season cut short last year because of sh- a shoulder injury. Uh, Soroka, obviously the Achilles, he hasn't pitched in a few years. So it's understandable, um, but definitely opens the door for some of these younger players that we're about to talk about. So let's start off with a pretty 
uh, young position looks like for Team Canada uh, with the catchers. We'll start with position players and we'll go to the catching group first. And, and this is a group really led by Bo Naylor, um, who should be the clear number one, you'd think. In this case, of course, had a great season in the minors in the Guardians organization last year uh, and, and a real chance to start 2023 on the right foot. Yeah, and obviously one of the one of the many Naylor brothers that we know about. Obviously, we had Miles, the youngest, the younger brother, on uh, the podcast not too long ago. And I wrote an article back in September about what this team could look like if everything went right. And I had Bo Naylor as the starter. The question for me was: Is he going after being called up late last year? Was he going to attend and play for Team Canada given his situation on the Guardians roster? Obviously, he is, and he's going to get a lot of playing time in this tournament. And then uh, the other catchers in this group, Kellen Deglin, who um, at this point in his career, he's 30 years old, you know, probably going to be a backup. Obviously, uh, last played uh, in AAA with the Buffalo Bisons in the Jays organization, spent 25 games there last season. So you've got a guy with some a lot of professional experience. Yeah, and I, I, Canada plays four straight games. So I think, you know, you're probably looking at Deglin as the backup, given the experience behind Naylor. Yeah, I think as it stands now, you know, Naylor, his job for sure. And listen, this would be a huge boost, wouldn't it, Matt? If if Bo Naylor can really hit the ground running here in this tournament and, and contribute offensively. I think the Cleveland Guardians would like that as well. <laughs> um, again, the thing you have to consider is, and people will talk about the timing of this tournament, is, is March the right time? Is after the season the right time? Anytime you really play, there's no, and in such a long baseball season, I don't think there really is an ideal time to have a tournament like this. But you also have to remember at a demanding position like catcher, Naylor might, probably won't play three or four games, right? They're going to be obviously cognizant of that and and what the big league teams want them to to be doing this early in the season. Well, and you know, I'd imagine if, for example, can't imagine the Blue Jays were too upset that Jordan Romano decided uh, to stick at spring training. You can imagine the same thing. I'm sure the Braves weren't exactly uh, disappointed with Soroka deciding to stick around uh, and not participate in the World Baseball Classic, but. It is a really interesting experience, and I think it's one that can really benefit Bo Naylor, as we talked about. Let's move to the infield now. There's been a good amount of discussion, partially because, let's be honest, Canada's best hitter is uh, in this group. It's Freddie Freeman, of course, the first baseman, former MVP, 12 full seasons in the bigs, uh, just a model of consistency, Matt, a three-time silver slugger. He is the engine in this lineup, but more than that, he needs to be, Matt. This offense goes as Freddie Freeman goes. And it's interesting when we had Greg Hamilton on a podcast earlier, go back and check it out. It's a great conversation. Uh, he mentioned, we talked a little bit about the roster construction and obviously it wasn't known at that time, but uh, one of the names that came up was Freddie Freeman and and he was pretty, Greg Hamilton was pretty confident he was going to be in this lineup and here he is. So like you said, he he is the engine. Um, he is the straw that stirs the drink in the middle of that lineup and, and he needs to perform if Canada wants to have a chance there. If you don't know the backstory a little bit here. So if you go on Freddie Freeman's baseball reference, it says he was born in California. Um, his parents, however, were both born in Canada and they were both born and raised in Canada. His mother passed away uh, when Freddie was 10. And he said in a recent interview with MLB.com, this is, quote, a way to keep her memory alive, end quote. So um, obviously very special um, tournament for Freeman, a very important one for him. And and you look at the rest of the infield, you know, you've got, as we talked about, Edward Julian, who to me is a very, very intriguing part of this whole team. Okay. He's ranked as the Minnesota Twins number 15 prospect. Okay. He was an 18th round pick back in 2019. So not a lot of fanfare, but 23 year old posted a 931 OPS, 17 home runs, 19 steals, uh, and 113 games at AA Wichita last year. He's a guy who 
I think Matt would probably play second base and start at second base for this team. Um, he'll go probably alongside the middle infield with Otto Lopez at shortstop and then probably Abraham Toro, uh, now a Milwaukee Brewer at third base. But looking at the rest of this infield, Matt, what excites you or maybe what are you looking at the most? I don't know if there's a guy on this team that I'm more excited to watch than Edward Julian. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, the numbers at AA Wichita last year. Um, this guy can hit. This guy can straight up swing it from the left side all the way back from his days with the junior national team at Auburn University. I, I think this guy, this could be a guy that gets a, a late season call up with the Twins. You know, obviously, I don't know anything specific about that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all with the numbers that he's put up. Then you look at a guy like Otto Lopez. There's some big league experience there. And then obviously at third, Abraham Toro, ton of experience. Um, so I, I don't, I think this infield has, has more to it than maybe meets the eye when you first take a look and you dive a little bit deeper into it. Yeah. And I think defensively, especially on the left side, I'd feel very comfortable with Lopez and Toro uh, and certainly Freddie Freeman at first. So I, I think a big thing, especially with some of the younger guys coming in is it's going to be put up really good at bats and play good defense, right? You know, I think a guy like Edward Julian could certainly fit the bill there, but maybe pack a little punch offensively. Should also mention uh, Damiano Palmigiani, a Blue Jays uh, prospect, also uh, made the team. He'll predominantly probably play a bench role. Um, he just finished this past season at High A Vancouver with 778 OPS, 13 home runs. Um, you know, again, a guy you'll probably see coming off the bench um, and just some depth for this infield. But Overall, Matt, I, I agree with you. I think that this is kind of a, a sneaky, okay infield. You know, obviously you're missing a, a Naylor and a Votto, but um, given the the situation, it's not all that bad. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, for a guy like Julian, a guy like Pomigiani, depending on how much he gets into to game action, what better stage in March than the World Baseball Classic, Classic to kind of make your mark and grab the attention even more? I'm sure Julian has the attention of the Twins brass, but mm-hmm. grab it even more with a strong performance here. And so how would you structure this infield then? If it were me, I'd probably put Freeman at first, Julian at second, Lopez at short, and Toro at third with uh, Palmigiani on the bench. Yeah, I don't think there's there's really any other way to structure it. You know, Toro can play second as well, maybe a little bit of short if need be, but I think I think that's pretty bang on. Now we move to the outfield. And and the outfield is, is really interesting, I think, because, again, led by Tyler O'Neill, right, who... Let's be honest, Matt, it's coming off a pretty rocky 2022. He graded out as about a league average hitter, but certainly not eighth in MVP voting like he was in 2021. So a lot of pressure on O'Neill to have a better season this year for the Cardinals, but also um, to hit the ground running here uh, with Team Canada as well. If if Freeman's kind of the engine, I mean, O'Neill's kind of the tires of this thing right. to make it go. He's going to be right. He's, I don't know much about cars, but that's my car reference. So. <laughs> Uh, comparison but yeah O'Neill's gonna be a huge part of this team glad that he like you said a little bit of a down year last year compared obviously compared to the previous season still the talents there the opportunities there he's gonna be you know relied upon heavily and he needs to perform if Canada wants to to make a push so you can pencil him into left field uh, for all four of Canada's games as long as he's healthy and the most obvious ways to generate offense for this team would be Freeman and O'Neill driving in runs obviously Um, but you look around the outfield there's some interesting names in here. You've got Owen Casey and Denzel Clark, who are both prospects, right? Casey is the Cubs' number 10 prospect. Played in 105 games for high A uh, South Bend last year in the Cubs organization. 751 OPS. Um, Obviously still far away from the big leagues. Same thing with Clark, Oakland's number 13 prospect. Uh, He had a bit of a better year last year. Between single A, uh, Stockton, and high Lansing, he put up an 834 OPS, 15 homers, and 30 steals in 93 games. So some speed perhaps, and a guy in Clark, maybe a pencil into center field. I'm really interested in that though, to see how these two, especially Clark and Casey get used in the outfield. 
Yeah, I think you're beating me to it. I, I said Julian's probably the guy I'm most excited to watch if simply because he's probably the closest to the big leagues. Behind him, it's going to be Casey and Clark. Obviously, Casey of the Fieldhouse Pirates and Clark of the Toronto Mets. Um, so pretty close connection to us here in Ontario. But yeah, high upside. And and the, uh, when we talk about 2027 and beyond, you know, these are guys that you know you're going to be relying on. So to get them this experience early um, and see what they can do, you know, baseball is a funny game. You never know how it's going to shake <laughs> out. So both very highly touted prospects by their team, um, and hopefully they can get a good start off to their season. And the other two outfielders here listed uh, Canada's roster, a little more um, mystery, dare I say, about Jared Young and Jacob Robson, more so about how they're going to be used. So Young. You know, he spent the last few weeks of the season actually up in the bigs with the Cubs. Uh, he played mostly first base with the Cubs in September, but he kind of profiles on this team to be Matt as more of a DH right fielder type. Yeah, I think they're going to need that. I don't think he's going to be playing first. I think Freeman's going <laughs> to okay. take the, the bulk of the load there and obviously DH as well when if need be. But yeah, Young was a guy that when he got called up, that, that it kind of took me by surprise. It was, it was a guy I wasn't really thinking about um, when the Cubs called him up there and he came up and had, you know, a decent little run, and, and he's obviously going to be looking to latch on more full-time this season. So that's another situation where, you know, kind of surprising that he would bypass spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously a lot goes into it. There's a lot of conversations behind the scenes and, and support from the team. So um, happy that he's on the team as a Canadian baseball fan and and more big league experience for uh, what you would say is a relatively inexperienced outfield. And should note, uh, if you look at his baseball reference, he played a lot of different positions last year in AAA. He spent some time at first base, third base, left field, a little bit of time in right field as well. So we'll see with Young. Maybe it's a thing where he's sort of, uh, whether it be moves around throughout the game, you know, depending on pinch hitting and pinch running situations and things like that. It'll be interesting, though, to see how uh, Team Canada and the coaching staff uh, kind of use Jared Young and Jacob Robson of, of course, London, Ontario. Big shout out to London, Ontario. Yeah. You know, he was released by the Tigers last year, uh, but then he went to the KC Monarchs, okay, in the American Association, independent ball, and put up a 1034 OPS, okay? That was enough to get him an invite uh, to Team Canada's roster. So looking at Young and Robson, how do you think they'll factor into this team? Yeah, I, you know what? You, with Robson playing so many positions, like a kind of like a utility guy mm-hmm. on this team, that never hurts because, as you know, guys drop out, guys get injured right up to the they 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 take the field. So, you know, that never hurts to have a guy that can play so many different positions and can be versatile in that way. They'll obviously utilize the DH as needed um, as well. As far as Robson, again, another guy with big league experience that never hurts. You know, he's played at the top level. He's not going to be overmatched by the moment. And you have younger guys like Casey and Clark in this outfield. Great for those two to be around big league outfielders. Yeah, I think it's a good mesh of, like we talked off the top, that sort of, you know, older regime and the younger guys coming up. So I'm interested to see how this this outfield pans out. Yeah, and so I, I think it's hard to really predict who's going to start where. Obviously, you slot in O'Neill and left. Um, but after that, you probably think it'll be Denzel Clark and center. But in right field, I mean, hell, it could be Young, it could be Robson, it could be Owen Casey late in the game uh, to play some defense, or maybe it's Young coming into the game late to pinch hit. There's a variety of situations there, but I think one thing that the additions of Young and Robson do uh, is give you a little bit of versatility and some options here uh, as it pertains to the outfield. Yeah, and I think if you slot, obviously the speed plays for Denzel Clark in center field. Yeah. But if he pencils in the center field, he's taken a spot of a guy that has has or is playing in the big leagues. Right. So that's uh, that would be good for Denzel Clark in the Oakland Athletics. Let's just put it that way. And 
it'd be exciting. And that speed, if not starting in the outfield, that's going to play a factor at some point in this tournament for Canada. And speaking of speed, I mean, another uh, addition that's actually just been made to Team Canada recently uh, it was announced that uh, Andy Jersey's no longer taking part in the tournament. It'll be Desan Brown, uh, Oakville, Ontario. Big shout out to Oakville, Ontario. Uh, Jay's prospect uh, in the system, uh, an outfielder joining the team here, Matt. Yeah, so kind of the nature of the tournament here, you know, guys drop in, guys drop out. Andy Yerzy, for people that don't know, just signed with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, so it's Desan Brown coming in again. Jackson, you talk about speed. That's kind of a theme in this outfield with him and Denzel Clark, uh, guys that can really run. I wouldn't expect to see him too much, you know, in terms of at the plate, uh, but certainly an option to pinch run, play some defense if needed. Uh, just another guy to have on the bench. And, and we talked about throughout this episode a lot, blending the generations. Another example of that, bringing in a, a highly touted Canadian prospect to get some reps and to get to meet uh, the rest of the team here. Yeah, and another Canadian base, Canadian Premier Baseball League swap out. Andy Yerzy of the Toronto Mets is out. Desan Brown of the Ontario Blue Jays is in. So it's exciting to see some guys uh, up and comers, so to speak, uh, apply their trade during this tournament. Always good to have some speed. And it's hard to say, right? A big thing about this tournament is it's a lot of it's just lightning in a bottle, right? Who has the best four games? You know what I mean? I, we can, and we've been doing this throughout the show, you know, looking through guys' careers and where the highest level they've played and stuff like that. But who knows? I mean, that's the beauty of this tournament, right? That's the beauty of the World Baseball Classic is that anything can happen, right? You're playing for your country. Um, it's very, very early in the baseball calendar. So you're not exactly sure what you're going to get at any of these guys. Um, I mean, now you even look at what Freeman and O'Neill did in the last World Baseball Classic. I was just about to say that. They both struggled. So it's really, really, really hard to predict. Yeah, I mean, you as we were preparing for this, you you wrote down these stats. Uh, was it Freeman hit a buck eighty two and O'Neill yeah. hit oh ninety one? I don't really care. Right. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really in in four games. It, it means thing. absolutely nothing. Can they do that again and can it be successful? Probably not. Uh, but it's in no way indicative of or, or predicting anything. But it's interesting that it's interesting to talk about baseball as a game of stats, and people will mull over that until until they go blue in the face. <laughs> Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, you want to put your best roster on the field and things like that, but who knows? Maybe it will be, you know, an Otto Lopez who comes through with a big three-run home run in a pivotal moment of a game or something like that. When when you least expect, you know, uh, hell, maybe Damiano Palmagiani comes in to pinch hit at some point, comes up with a big hit. You just never know, and that's the beauty of baseball. So we've talked a little bit about the position player side. Now, to kind of wrap that up, you know, you look at this lineup. Can you give me maybe like a grade or like a rating at a 10 for how you like the lineup? That's a good question. You put me on the spot I here. Did. Yeah. Uh, you know, with no Votto, no Naylor, um, no Charles LeBlanc, a guy that we haven't mentioned, obviously yeah. played pretty well for the Marlins last fall, last season. Um, that certainly hurts, but you got you got guys like Freeman, you got guys like O'Neill. Those guys are going to drive in runs. You got some speed. I don't know if I would go ahead and give it a grade, but it's interesting. Let's just put it that way. I yeah. don't. There's a lot of un- unknown in this lineup, um, which could be good. Or it could be bad, let's be honest, especially in a, in a short tournament. You could say that for just about any roster. Exactly. And now, obviously, you'd feel... One thing that we, we should also illustrate is that other countries like the United States, the Dominican Republic, what they have is that they can afford for some of their best players not to play because they have so much depth, right? Whereas with Canada, it's just not... They don't have the same depth as we're seeing now. Uh, no disrespect to any of the players on the roster. It's still an incredible achievement to play for Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic. Um, and professional baseball, it's, of course, 
you know, extremely difficult regardless of the level. But I just, I do think it's interesting and, and sort of something to point out, you know, how they say in spring training, you know, you, you watch a game, all kinds of wacky things can happen because it's still early. Pitchers are still getting or, or working in and, and, and hitters are still getting timed up and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of, if you haven't watched this tournament before, or maybe if you're just new to baseball in general, I would certainly be cautious of making too many bold predictions as we're doing right now. Yeah, that's why I, I fail to give this a grade because, you know, you look at this roster, you got guys like Naylor, Freeman, Lopez, Toro, O'Neill, Young. Those are all guys that played in the big leagues, yeah. played at the highest level, have seen the best pitching. Anything can happen. They're obviously good enough to get there and be there. They're good enough to be on this team, clearly. Uh, so it, it's hard to make a prediction. You know, teams beat teams all the time that maybe shouldn't or, or you know, aren't as good on paper. So that's what makes this game great. And that's what makes a tournament like this so early in the season. Um, interesting to watch. And now a word from the Baseball Zone as their 20th annual Baseball Zone Swing in the Spring March Break Baseball Camp is coming soon. TBZ welcomes all players aged 5 to 13 years old to join the Zones coaches for some baseball fun. They can develop skills while also having fun and, of course, appreciating the great game. So get out of the house and join the Baseball Zone the week of March 13th to 17th. So when we take a look at the pitching staff now for uh, Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic, uh, Matt, we do actually have a little bit of insight gleaned from an interview that's going to be coming out later this week with none other than the manager of Team Canada, Ernie Witt. Yeah, so we had Ernie on the podcast. You, again, like Jackson just said, you'll hear that later in the week. But he kind of let the cat out of the bag, or at least tentatively out of the bag, about the rotation and what it's going to look like. So he had mentioned that they're going with their best right off the bat, Jackson. They're going with Cal Quantro against Great Britain. The next game against the U.S. is still TBA. Um, it'll be Noah Skiro uh, against Colombia and Rob Zdrinsky, um taking on Mexico in game four. Again, that's tentative. He spoke largely about how things can change between now and the tournament, but as it stands right now, that's what it's looking like. Yeah. And so, you know, that's really interesting. Obviously Nick Pavetta not being part of the tournament, another huge blow to team Canada's already pretty limited pitching depth. Let's be honest. Another thing that Ernie mentioned in that interview that we'll hear is about how important the bullpens are going to be uh, specifically as it pertains to, you know, with the amount of games you have in such a short amount of time and the fact that Canada's day off is the first day of the tournament. So yeah, they're really limited in terms of how they can kind of manage the pitching staff that way too. Yeah. I don't think that day off the first day really does them any good at all, but I mean, it's, I found it interesting that they're going to roll with Quantrill first against Great Britain. And if they can get that win, a big question is going to be who starts against the U S as well. I've seen, you know, people think it might be Mitch Bratt who's, the 19-year-old Mitch, but I've also seen Andrew Albers. So kind of both ends of the spectrum there. I think it's all going to depend on kind of, you know, what happens in game one. Obviously, the bullpen's important. There's a 65-pitch limit on Quantrill, uh, but they need that first win with the U.S. on day two. You mentioned Mitch Bratt. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about kind of how he might be used, as well as an, another friend of the show, uh, Matt Brash. We both have both those guys on. Now, I'd imagine they'll both be coming to the bullpen, you know, but what, what kind of experience this will be for them? You know, you, you look at it like Brash is maybe their best arm out of the pen, and I don't know how close it is. Yeah, I think Brash is probably your closer, so to speak. I don't know if you really have necessarily that role in a tournament like this with four games in a row this early. Um, but without a guy like Rowan Wick, uh, it, it falls on Brash for sure. And as we saw, you know, especially late in last year, he has no problem pitching in, in high leverage situations. We saw him at Rogers Center in the – the wildcard series and then against again against the Houston Astros. So 
if they can get the lead late and they can get into his hands, they're, they're going to be in good shape. And you look at a few of the other younger guys who are likely going to have, you know, decent roles in this bullpen. A guy like Trevor Brigden, who, um, you know, is currently in the Tampa Bay system, pitched at double A Montgomery last year. Um, and he put up a 328 ERA in 46 and two thirds innings. So there's a guy, you know, who could potentially slot in somewhere. Maybe he's your seventh inning man. Again, that's going to be kind of a feel thing for Ernie Witt, you'd imagine. Uh, another young name to throw out there. I mean, Brigden's 27, but still relative to some of the other arms you, you would consider Brigden to be young. Is it Indigo Diaz, uh, 24, and he is uh, currently part of the Yankees organization. Last year, double-A Mississippi in the Braves organization, he put up a 308 ERA with over 49 and two-thirds innings. So, you know, Matt, a couple intriguing arms here. Minor league guys, yes, but guys that could very well make a difference in the bullpen. Yeah, and I think I, I also look at the guy that's replacing Bavetta, you know, Ben Onishko, the, the Winnipeg native, left-hander, um, maybe a matchup guy who knows how Ernie Witt will deploy him. But a lot of upper minor level, upper minor league level arms um, don't really know what to expect, but are going to be able to compete. And and with the starters that they're going to roll out there, they're going to need with those pitch limits. They're going to need the their entire bullpen, to be honest with you. And they're going to need them firing all cylinders with the different rules and whatnot that are in place for for a tournament of this magnitude. The entire bullpen would include, you know, the likes of perhaps Omar, Philippe Omar, John Axford, uh, you know, Andrew Albers, Scott Matheson, Adam Lowen, some guys who are you know, older, haven't appeared in the bigs in a while, aside from, I guess, Axford in that case. But what do you think we can expect from some sort of the vets of this pitching staff? I mean, I guess, you know, without sort of organizational limits, maybe they can be used a lot freer, but how much are they going to have in the tank is certainly a question. And, you know, situationally, if you're in a spot where let's say you're, you're up, let's say it's, it's Mexico and that's a must win for team Canada at the end of the tournament, they're still, they still have a chance to finish second. They're up by two runs in the eighth. Maybe instead of going with, uh, let's say, a younger arm like a Diaz or a Brigden, do you go with an Albers or an Ormond or an Axford to have some of that experience in a big spot like that? Uh, it's a great question. I think it's a great unknown for Canadian baseball fans. I don't know if Ernie Witt knows right now. Um, mm-hmm. As they head into kind of this abbreviated camp, I guess you can call it, in a couple exhibition games, he's going to have to find out what he can get out of those veterans. Um, if nothing else, they're going to be valuable resources to some of the younger arms in that bullpen as they go out and try to get the job done. And again, like you said, in a tournament like this with how random it is, you know, you might be surprised with with the way the bullpen's used and things like that, not just with Team Canada, but I think around the tournament. And I think, yeah, you look at the, again, I, I don't want to go back too much to that game too against the USA, but, you know, who's going to start that game? You know, obviously there's rumors floating out around there. Do they go with an older guy, a younger guy? You know, how do they approach that game, knowing that if you win games one, three and four, you're moving on. It's a very it must be so exciting, you know, for some of these young guys who let's use a Brigden, for example, who's pitched a double A. Obviously, you know, Tampa Bay Rays, they know bullpens. They know uh, good uh, relief arms for sure. I feel like a good tournament like this or a, a big moment in a tournament like this could really put you on the map as a prospect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, if you're, you know, a younger guy, you want to get in there against, you know, some of these big league names and that USA game, for example, whoever gets to start that game, if it's not, you know, somebody that's already established, which it probably won't be knowing how things are, you know, setting up here. Um, it's a huge opportunity, not only just to advance your career, but to have that opportunity to say, Hey, I started against the U S in the world baseball classic. That's a pretty cool uh, feather to have in your cap. And, how that plays out is really going to affect the rest of the tournament, how everything else lays out. So it's a lot up in the air. We're kind of, you know, talking about hypotheticals here when really we don't know. We're not in the dugout 
luckily Ernie gave us a little bit of uh, a heads up on what could be happening and you'll definitely want to check out that episode coming out later this week yes big shout out to ernie about that i think one thing that we definitely can say for sure is that you know canada's pitching depth is significantly hurt by uh you know some of the guys who aren't here right like if you just look at like guys who could pitch for team canada versus who actually are it's a much different list no disrespect to any of the guys who are on this roster as we've said during the the episode like still pro ball players still very difficult to get to this point and not taking any away anything away from that but you know could you imagine if they had a jordan romano in the back of that pen you mentioned rowan wick you know what i mean a jameson tyone a mike soroka there's i feel like with this tournament there are especially with the pitching side there's going to be a lot of sort of what ifs you know what could have been in this situation yeah, and I think, you know, that's part of, you know, the timing of the tournament. And, and that's something else that we spoke to, to Ernie about. But um, it's just the nature of the beast. I think everybody's kind of dealing with the same thing. But unfortunately, Canada doesn't have the exact same amount of depth as some of these other countries. But it's, again, I'm excited. And I hope other fans are excited to watch some of these younger players because these are going to be the guys going forward that you're going to see popping up in the big leagues. So it's going to be an exciting, regardless of the outcome, to watch these guys perform. And so, you know, we talk about the schedule a little bit. You alluded to it briefly. Um, Canada's first game is actually on the second day of Pool C games. Their day off is the first game, or the first day, rather, uh, of Pool C, the Saturday. So they kick off on Sunday against Great Britain. I think for Canada, obviously, that's probably your ideal opponent to kick off the tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think that would be the game of the group that, you know, they should, you know... a good chance to get off to a uh, you know get off with a win. Um, obviously, it gets tougher from there. But like we said, baseball is a funny game. You let your guard down for you know these are also very good baseball players on the other side. So you let your guard down. You know it's easy to drop a game in Canada. Looking at this schedule, really can't afford to do that on on day one. And then uh, the following day on the Monday, they have the United States, who is uh, right up there with the Dominican Republic and Japan as you know the best teams in the tournament. But again, anything can happen, right? Of course, we've seen classic Canada beating the U.S. prior. But, you know, obviously that's going to be a tough one. But look, you talked about it. There's major league talent on this team. On the Tuesday, though, they play Columbia. And so I I do wonder if there's a situation here where if you can find a way through those first three games against Great Britain, the United States, and Columbia, if you can take two of three, you're in a pretty good spot heading into that Wednesday against Mexico. Albeit, perhaps that's an optimistic point of view, but... I think that's what you kind of have to do in this situation. Well, being from Canada and watching Canada, the World Baseball Classic, I think it's okay for us to be optimistic. But yeah, I mean, if you get two and one and you can go into that Mexico game and a, and a win moves you on, you know, you're feeling pretty good. If, if you were to tell Ernie with that right now, I feel like he might take it. Yeah, the old if I told you game. And that's the thing. I mean, that game against Mexico, depending on how obviously the rest of the pool shakes out, there's a million different possibilities. But that could be a huge game to determine who finishes second in the group. Okay, so we've we've talked about the position players, we've talked about the pitchers. Just a general theme of this team feels like Hamilton said, sort of blending generations. Matt, how do you feel overall about this team? The position players, the pitchers, are you are you expecting them to finish second? Are you expecting them to finish third or fourth? I, I mean, I think the US is the class of the group. I think yeah. most people would agree with that. Anyone that has Mike Trout, the names that you know are littered throughout that lineup is 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 strong obviously um i i said it before i think the word i would use is interesting you know for me i have a little bit of a different perspective covering college baseball and and all the way from grassroots up to the big leagues you know i've seen some of these guys come through college and i can see what i see what they do each each of the 
you know, level of the way up. And I go back, like, you know, a guy like Julian, a guy like Brigden, Casey, Denzel Clark. I'm interested to watch those guys. I really am. I, I mean, will it turn into success on the field? Who knows? It could, it could not. But I think it's going to be very interesting to watch some of these younger guys get an opportunity on the stage. And if you're a Canadian baseball fan, that's the best part about this tournament, right? Not only do you get to cheer for your country playing uh, baseball, which is such a cool concept. Obviously, we just saw it here in this country with the FIFA World Cup and seeing that in soccer. Now we get to transfer over to baseball. And again, like we've talked about throughout this show, seeing some guys who are sort of the future of Team Canada, right? But mixed in with guys in their primes like Freddie Freeman and Tyler O'Neill. I mean, uh, what an opportunity for Canadian baseball fans. So that would be my sell is you get to learn a little bit more about some Canadians who aren't at the big league level yet, who are on their way, but also just, you know, getting to see a tournament where it's not all just major leaguers. And it's, you know, not just watching the United States where they're trying to figure out who's going to start at for first base between Alonzo and Goldschmidt. You know what I mean? In this case, there's, I think there can be a real underdog mentality and one that I think Canadian baseball fans will embrace. Yeah, I think Canadian sports fans in general like to embrace that mentality. And and my my message to fans would be to enjoy this tournament. Mm-hmm. I know there's there's going to be a lot of talk about who's not here, but enjoy who is here. Like these are very good baseball players. A lot of these guys are the next generation of Canadian stars. Like you said, combined with current stars and guys that are probably that, that are past their prime, that are past their prime, but are coming back to represent their country because that's how much it means. A guy like John Axford, you know, jumps at the opportunity to play for Canada. That's special. Um, and doesn't happen all the time. So I, I, there's a lot of storylines that we could, you know, that we can watch here that I, I hope Canadian fans, you know, take the time to appreciate and enjoy. And I think they're going to be competitive. I really do. So who knows where this team can go. Briefly looking at the, the Mexican and Colombian rosters, these teams aren't like unbeatable. You know what I mean? These aren't, <laughs> these are the Yankees of the nineties. You know what I mean? Like these teams are beatable. It's just, you know, they have maybe a little more big league experience. Right. Or perhaps they have a bit more more veterans than younger players or what have you. But especially in the case of Colombia, I mean, to me, Matt, that's a winnable game. I, I understand that, you know, you'd probably like a guy like, you know, Gio Urshela in your infield and things like that. But if I'm looking at it, I mean, Freddie Freeman is a better hitter than anybody Team Colombia has. So we'll see. Yeah, I think Freddie Freeman might be better than most hitters in the tournament. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's baseball. Like baseball is so unpredictable. You know, of all the major sports, I mean, upsets happen every day. You know, you get a good pitching matchup. You know, you string some hits together. All of a sudden, you you know, you beat a U.S. and then you're in the driver's seat in the pool. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, that about wraps it up here for our CBN podcast, uh, Team Canada roster breakdown. We appreciate you joining us and. You know, we talked about some of the general themes, blending generations, an underdog mentality, having a good mix of youth and veterans. But one thing I can guarantee, Matt, it's going to be a very, very exciting tournament. This this tournament comes around once every four years, longer than that because of the pandemic. But uh, anytime you get to watch Canada play and, and suit, on, suit up and watch a bunch of Canadians take the field and, and compete, it's an exciting time. And I hope uh, fans are as excited as I am. You know what, even with the play on the field aside, stories like Freddie Freeman's, where he's playing, you know, a way to keep the memory of his mom alive. To me, that's so special. That's what sports is all about. Um, So at the very least, that human connection there, I think, is is certainly one reason to pay attention to this. So for Jackson Farrell, for Matt Betts, we appreciate you joining us. Let's enjoy this tournament. Go Team Canada. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. 
and The Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players.